Greetings, family. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Fernando. I'll be reading some books and commenting and asking God's presence to come into our thoughts that we may learn, listen, and hear what the good Lord is saying to us today. Let's go ahead and start with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much again for coming on. You ever get um, um ache, a pain in your leg, um, like a Charlie horse? <laughs> All of a sudden you're, you're going to talk and you're going to say something and you get a Charlie horse or... Um, you know, one of your muscles cramps up, a cramp. Anyway, I wanted to uh, talk about that. There's a lot of talk about that the farmers, their feed has gone up to feed their cattle, their chicken, their, and they're e- even at high prices today. They're still not coming even. A lot of, a lot of farmers have folded up. They haven't planted anything for next season, for next year. Just because we have items on the shelf, this is from last year's planning, last year's hard work. Um, So believe me, go ahead and start stocking up, especially with dry goods like beans and rice and things that you have to cook. They'll last longer. Um. Since the gas is uh, going up, continue to go up, the Lord promises that he'll take care of us. He'll watch over us. And, uh, you know, a while back, I was in East L.A., and we saw a film of what happened in Cuba when the petroleum stopped. As you recall, Russia was bringing, piping in, bringing in with ships, um, petroleum and getting buddy buddy with Cuba and and selling them their petroleum so they had a lot of tractors on the field a lot of cars a lot of prosperity going on and that was short-lived when the Russians uh, when the USSR folded uh, the, the oil stopped and the whole nation every individual in Cuba lost get this they lost 20 pounds and they went back, they got rid of the tractors and they went back to, to the plowing with the animals. And they went back to communities, uh, having community ops, like uh, farmers markets and trading their, their vegetables and their food. They started more local schools, churches, more local uh, medical fields. So, and in, in anywhere they can plant something, the grass, the pots and pans on top of the roof, anywhere they can plant, they planted food. 
They planted seeds. So another thing we may stock up is with seeds. Start learning how to plant seeds and so forth. Yes, it's happening, folks, and it's here. Keep reading uh, 1 John 1 through 5 and stay in the book of John. So you will be able to have that faith, that insurance in the bank. When bad news hits, your love will respond to it. It will bounce off. The good Lord said that he will be with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. I have a... I'm picking some med meditation book here out of random. I got a book here for today. I'll read uh, today's meditation and see what it entails. See if it's talking about something similar to what I'm, I'm talking about. And it, it is. It starts out. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stop. Proverbs 12.5 says, The thoughts and purposes of the consistently righteous are honest and reliable, but the counsel and designs of the wicked are treasurers. Proverbs 12.5 The thoughts and purposes of the consistently righteous are honest and reliable, but the counsel and designs of the wicked are treasurers. Don't be ashamed to back off if you get out in the middle of something and find that God is not in it. Just be secure enough to simply say, I thought this was God, but it is not, so I am not going to do it anymore. You can apologize for others if you cause them any trouble or confusion, but there is no shame in quickly admitting that you were wrong. It is more important not to perpetuate a mistake than it is to keep people from thinking you were wrong. Don't be afraid to say, I didn't hear from God. Honesty will keep you, will keep your day going right all day long. Amen. Don't be afraid to say, stop, I was wrong. I don't want to be involved in this uh, study about insects airplanes or whatever i'm going to be involved in the study in the word of god which is more valuable than being in a in a hobby a lot of people have hobbies watching tv they call that a hobby my hobby as you know what my hobby is you know <clears throat> This is, oh, I say about 25 years ago, maybe 20 years, in about 1998, 97, I, uh, I had vacation, a driving truck, and I was really looking forward to vacation, a couple, my first three days of vacation, and, but I had a problem. I had too many books in my little studio, I had too many VHSs, cassettes, uh, you know, I had boxes and boxes. So I went down to the local storage place and I wanted to rent a little room so I could put my stuff in there. And I went in there and there was a bunch of group of people walking and uh, they were auctioning off garages that people have had uh, abandoned. 
And the guy was very kind. He says, here, here's a number. Just go over there, follow them around and see what they're doing. You may find some good deals. So I decided to go over there. Instead of renting one, I went to go buy one. And sure enough, these guys, I bought a, a double-side garage. Get this. It was full of stuff up to the chest. It looked like they were throwing stuff in there. It looked like it was their trash can. And, um, and they kept filling it up. Amazing. Uh, I got, I, I thought I had bought, made a deal. And then they tell me, you got to empty it. I have to empty it. You know, they, they sold me the garage and I had to clean it up. A big garage full of stuff. Excuse me. Well, like a good soldier, I went to go rent a U-Haul. And then I got a homeless guy named Solomon, a black man. And for three days, we pulled books out of there. We pulled so many. They had double stacks of books in there. They had pictures, air conditioners, all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I, I found an air conditioner in there, and, I, and that day my air conditioner had went went off. And when I brought it, they told me the air conditioner's not working in the complex. So well, I got this one, and they were amazed the timing. But I was telling it would have been easier for me to go to Sears and spend the same amount of money, and just buy the air conditioner and take it to there, but. They got to a point where I couldn't pick up any more books. I was so exhausted. We filled up that, looking for treasure, really, we filled up that place about half full of the U-Haul, and it was too heavy. I had to take it and pay at the dump and, and to dump those old electronic books. But the, the guy had a big collection of uh, penthouse and Playboy books in there and these old 1940s, 50s um, pornographic books. And since uh, Solomon and I, we were both Christian and we were both praying to the Lord and talking about God, uh, we decided to uh, dump them at the dump and not get them circulating those uh that giant collection of uh, pornographic books. So we took them over there, and, and the uh, the trash guys started to come, run over to come and get our stuff we were throwing. They can see the, the pictures of the girls flying in the air. And uh, me and Solomon, what we did is we, we parked, we parked, uh, we backed in the U-Haul the, the real close, and from the ramp, we, uh, we peed on the books. We pissed on the books, so they backed off, and then whatever oil, turpentine, whatever, we threw it on there. We figured it was God's will for us to get rid of that pornographic stuff, not not to get, get it to uh, high schools and so forth. I don't know if that was it, but we did that. I took a lot of uh, other remaining pictures that looked like collector's items. I gave them to a local church so they can sell them on their yard sale. Anyway, that was my venture. I, I didn't rent the uh, I didn't rent the storage for myself. I just left and left it at that. Went back home and spent. That's how I spent my vacations. Totally exhausted. I needed two three days 
to recuperate, and that was it. That was my story. And I found a gold ring on the floor. Beautiful 1800, a lot of gold. Shining as can be, you can tell it was gold. I lost it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna be reading a little excerpt from a book called The Magic of Believing, or it could be titled The Miracle of Believing by Cloud M. Bristol. This, picture, this book, I read it a couple of times in the early 80s and 90s, I believe. It was first published in 1948. Can you believe that? And this, this is the introduction of the book, How I Came to Tap the Power of Belief, Mind Stuff Experiments, What the Subconscious Is. These are all chapters. Suggestion is power. Suggestion is power. The art of mental pictures. The mirror technique for releasing the subconscious. How to project your thoughts. Women, women and the science of belief. That's interesting, huh? Belief makes things happen. Belief makes things happen. I call it the miracle of believing. I'm going to open it at random and read something. Here we go on page 53 on the title of What the Subconscious Is. One of the most helpful discoveries I made long ago in common with some other writers is that there is a part of the mind which the psychologists call the subconscious that works while you are sleeping or even while you are relaxing or engaged in some other task far removed from writing. I have found it possible to train this part of the mind to do a pretty organized job. Very often I had awakened in the morning to find a problem of technique or plot or character which had long been troubling me, completely solved while I had been sleeping. The judgment of the subconscious mind, which represents inherited instincts and the accumulation of experience is virtually infallible. And I would always trust its decisions over many judgment arrived at through a long and reasonable process of conscious thinking. You know, one of the things that we went to the store today, to Costco, and I told the wife I had a, in my dream, I dreamed of a big bag of pistachios and a certain brand. And then about two, three years ago, I had a dream about a certain brand of olive oil, a big bottle, and, and it was... And today, I noticed that I we had in the cart that olive oil that I had a dream, and she and and the pistachios of the certain thing I had. So I think it's for my health. The uh, these signs, you know, to munch on them and the uh, olive oil, drink a, a spoonful in the morning and then one in the evening before you go to sleep. Anyway. Just want to tell you that uh, these books are amazing. This book is similar to that other book I was reading earlier in about the same year. And they have the power of believing. What is the power of belief? Does the power of believing have levels like glory to glory? Yeah, we all from our experience can, can believe or have faith. 
when I was selling real estate, I, I really got very uh, fond of a couple, and they liked this house, and they wanted to buy the house. All they had was an FHA uh, loan, and the guys, the owners, had refused any FHA. They didn't want to sell FHA because of the inspection. They had modified their house. But I went in there with an incredible amount of faith. There was so much faith. I tell you, before I went to make the presentation of the listing of the offer, I parked my real estate car by a school. And there were some big trees there and a fence. And there were some kids playing way over there. Actually, high school, college-looking students uh, kicking the ball around. And I started to pray and walk through there. And I tell you, the wind started to move. And and all of a sudden, the uh, every ball that these kids had from kicking the ball started flying my way, hitting the fans. Boom, bam, bam, bam. About five, six balls came and hit the fence where I was at. It was like my believing was pulling all that resources of faith and then I went in there and I did my best presentation I wish I could have got an Academy Award of give, delivering my trying to get the house for the people and the people were so kind and so ap apologetic and they gave me water and food and cake and everything and they just said no we cannot sell FHA <laughs> And I was that, you know. Anyway, thank you so much for coming here, listening to me today. Uh, going on on my front yard here. Got my feet on the ground, like I tell you. Make sure you watch that movie, Grounded, on YouTube. And while you're watching that movie, Grounded, look at that other free movie, Prison to Praise, uh, about thanking God for the problem. I love you. God bless you. Get out there and give them heaven. Enjoy that God has our back. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake us. Let us rejoice in this. Let's go ahead and finish with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily miracle, our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Greetings. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'm Fernando. I am in double winner in three fellowships. I go to AA, NA, Elanon, Overeaters, Gamblers. I visited Sex Anonymous, CODA. Um, children for from alcoholic alcoholic children parents 
Right now we're talking about step 10. This seems like every article I pick up is about step 10. Happens to be one of my most intriguing favorite steps, you know, just linear thinking, cut to the chase, step 10. Here's an article sent to us by Shanda from Nebraska. And it's, it's entitled, Step 10, Take Me Out of My Comfort Zone. Continue to take personal inventory and when we're wrong, promptly admitting it. In my years of practicing the Elnam program and AA, Step 10 has been an unmatchable gift that I have grown to rely upon. My children were five and three old when I entered the program. By learning to admit them when I was wrong in many situations, it has been evident in their own lives growing up that it's okay to be human and make mistakes. What a relief and a blessing it is to be able to be myself and have others know who I am, warts and all. I am an accountant. When I make a mistake at work, I can have very damaging results to others. It can have. I have learned the benefit of promptly admitting when I'm wrong, and it has been a lifesaver. I believe step 10 has made me physically healthier and emotional stronger. My favorite quotation today is, life begins at the end of my comfort zone. <laughs> life begins at the end of my comfort zone. I believe step 10 takes me out of my comfort zone and into a much fuller life. And that's it. Where do we go from here? I guess that was it. There's no uh, punctuation mark or period or anything there. All right, let's go ahead. And there's another article here on step 10. It's just like, whoa. I'm reading to you from the forum. Amen. Here we go. Wow, it's a lot of, this is my first time diving into this article. Pretty cool, huh? Well, while I'm looking for uh, retrieving that, that article, let's go ahead and pray the uh, seven-step prayer, please. My Creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength as I go out here to do your bidding. Amen. Okay, I guess this is a serious, a uh, series of uh, of articles on the three legacies. Concept ten, tradition ten, and step ten. That's the three legacies. Wow, see? Concept 10. Why I felt less than. Concept 10. Service responsibility is balanced by careful defined service authority and double-headed management is avoided. Again, concept 10. Service responsibility is balanced by careful defined service authority. Concept 10 is important in both my personal and professional life. Growing up in an alcoholic home, I experienced the destructive results 
of not allowing someone the authority to do the job, yet expecting them to be responsible for the outcome. At a very young age, I was given the responsibility of babysitting my younger brother. I had to make sure he was safe, that he was ready for bed, and that he eventually went to sleep. Today, I realized that there was a big responsibility for an 11-year-old. At times, I was required to discipline him to keep him from harming himself or to get him to do what he was supposed to do. Yet all I had to do was to report to my mother that I had not allowed him to do something he wanted to do, which resulted in my being immediately chastised and told I was wrong. I was never asked why I took the particular action. His version was always taken a face value. As a result, I felt incompetent, less than, and chose to do other expected duties less thoroughly. This behavior pattern carried over into my adult life and into the workplace. At the beginning of a new job, I gave it my all. But as time went on and I started to feel less than because I was not receiving adequate support or direction from my supervisor, I immediately began to lose my commitment to that job. And things went downhill from there. Today, I realize that this is a pattern from the past, which only I can change. I can try to resolve the problem by bringing it to a supervisor's attention and continue to do my part. Or, if indeed the problem is with the supervisor or company I'm working for, I can decide to seek employment elsewhere. Good article. Now, <clears throat> Tradition 10. How to stay focused on Alman's main purpose. How to stay focused on Alman's elements, elements, main purpose. Oh, the last story was by Valerie R. from Nebraska. The second story or tradition concept, how to stay focused on Alman's main purpose, tradition. Ten, the Al-Anon family groups have no opinion on outside issues, hence our name will never be drawn into public controversy. By Tom K., California. Let me, for me, Tradition 10 is about live and let live. Guardian, Al-Anon's name isn't just doing so at the level of press, radio, TV, internet, and films. This tradition applies to all discussions in our meetings as well. I have been to meetings where people comment on the damage that was done growing up in a family of a, a specific religious belief, where guilt was condoned and the whole group broke into laughter. We cannot control a cultural norm of laughing at certain religious bu- religions, but at the group level, we can avoid mentioning the specific religion we are referring to as a way of avoiding having newcomers think that Alna has an opinion on that religion. After all, for many, their home group is their only connection to Elnon, since they don't get to conventions or district and area-wide events. The same goes for complaining about or complimenting politicians at the group level. It is likely to get a laugh politicians are comedians' favorites target. But again, newcomers may think that we are in alignment with certain politics view. When I was a newcomer myself, esteem was in the gutter and my small statement could send me, any small statement can send me into a I don't fit in mode. How do we all get so close to in Alnan? We are such a diverse bunch of damaged souls when we stumble into our first meeting. 
We are homeless, wealthy, old, and young, all races, creeds, sexual orientations, and political orientations. I think paying attention to Tradition 10 is about staying focused on our unity of purpose, helping families and friends of alcoholics. All right, all right, let's go ahead and finish this off. Here's an article of one of the things that saved me when I first came into the program and helped me, lifesaver, when I was out at work and the mind was running overtime, wouldn't stop thinking. The slogans, the slogans played a big part in my life. Keep it simple, easy does it, one day at a time, but for the grace of God, let go and let God. Let go of the situation. Get my hands off of it. Hand it over to God. God's hands are bigger, stronger, and he can, he can soothe me while working on it. Here's an article from New Zealand by Viviani B. A renewed appreciation for Alnon slogans. When I first came to Alnon, I thought the sl- slogans excuse me, were trite and old-fashioned. After a few months, I realized how wonderful they truly are. I use them all the time now. When I broke my ankle at a concert and was carried out on a stretcher to the hospital, they became constant tools. I was afraid and in terrible pain. I knew I was in the right place, but I needed to let go and let God take care of me. There was a long way to see someone, then more long ways for x-rays and admittance to the hospital. I knew I needed to take one day at a time. Once in the ward, shared with two other others, I needed to live and let live, as they sometimes had visitors outside visiting hours and did things that were outside my experience and comfort zone. I also needed to mind my own business as on doctor's rounds, as I could hear what was wrong with these women and one was a client of mine, I kept all this information confidential. After a three-day wait for my operation with no food or water until late each day, I needed to use Easy Does It and trust that in time I would get my operation and that my higher power would take care of me. Now at home I have needed to keep it simple. I have a plaster cast and cannot put any weight on my right leg. I have simple needs and often just make myself a salad, which is quick and easy. Amen. My, here, and it continues. My flat is not as clean as I would like it to be. Wonderful friends bring meals, do the dishes, and put things in the wrong places. And I think, how important is it? What is important is all the love and care I have had from a huge range of wonderful, caring friends. As I hop around on my crutches, I use think constantly. I need to be particularly organized, have everything I need close by in order to avoid excess hopping around. I face a long 18-month recovery time and I am back to, until until I am back to normal, I know that every day I am progressing, and I think progress, not perfection. 
I saw many people in the hospital who were worse off than me, who were behaving badly, and I knew they didn't ha- have my wonderful program to give them the tools they needed to live serenely. With joy and hope, and I think, but for the grace of God, that, that would be me. The Al-Anon program has taught me how to live my life. This injury has given me time off from work to read my conference-approved literature, to think and meditate and grow. Beautiful, beautiful articles of intelligence. Articles of poise. Articles of value. Articles that give us weight for the long run. You know, some of our, our computers that we have are pretty big, pretty amazing. They can take an incredible amount of information and process it. I believe what I'm getting to understand is that we're not putting enough into our computers, enough information for our bodies to be happy, joyous, and free, to to kick start the the wonder and the gratitude of heavy read what heavy reading does. That's my uh, my take. Um, uh, let's go ahead and finish off with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, keep coming back. It's working. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. Fernando, alcoholic. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. A spiritual kindergarten says on the Daily Reflections for today, June 24th, we are only operating a spiritual kindergarten in which people are unable to get, enable to get over drinking and find the grace to go on living to better effect. As Bill sees it, page 95, again, we are mainlining spiritual spirituality. We are not getting into trouble no more. And it gives us a chance to find more grace on top for living to a better effect. You know, if I look back in my drinking, a grace was there. It held me from... Uh, Pulling the trigger, playing Russian roulette with the buddies. But it just enabled me, to, and Alcoholic Anonymous has enabled me to find the grace and to start by gratitude. I, I start tapping on grace, on top of grace. They call it glory, on top of glory. And it's God's effect, is His doing, is His doing. That's what the big book says. Any success that we're having is God's success. The article for today goes on to say, 
When I first came to AA, I was run down by the bottle and wanted to lose the obsession to drink, but I didn't really know how to do that. I decided to stick around long enough to find out from the ones who went before me. All of a sudden, I was thinking about God. I was, I was told to get a higher power, and I had no idea what one looked like. I found out there are many higher powers. I was told to find God as I understand Him, that there was no doctrine in the Godhead in AA. I found what worked for me and then asked that power to restore me to sanity. The obsession to drink was removed and one day at a time my life went on and I learned how to live sober. Beautiful, wonderful readings, huh? You agree? You betcha. Amen. Let's go ahead and read tomorrow's, okay? Let's see what the rest of the month says. Tomorrow is called a two-way street. If we ask God, we certainly for, He will certainly forgive our derelictions. But in no case does He render us white as snow and keep us that way without our cooperation. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 65. You know how God is going to keep me? Uh, today at a meeting, I gave a note to a couple of guys there as we were kind of like a doctor gives prescription. I was giving prescriptions to these two. and uh, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and call them sponsees. They, re, they kind of report to me. And uh, I was giving him a, telling him one guy to memorize Tradition 1. I've been thinking about him for a whole week to memorize Tradition 1. The other guy, I told them that this is the work that we need to do to cooperate with God. I told him, make a list of all the people that have offended you in your life. Make a long list of all the people that have hurt you screwed you over and offended you in your life and then make another list of all the all the agencies the departments all the uh, finance everyone that has screwed you over in your life stolen your car make a list of that and then i wrote down in the bottom uh, i want you to put them in an envelope and pray for them for 45 days for four minutes a day Four minutes a day for 45 days. And I said, this is the work and the, that we need to do to alleviate and, and, and go in, inward and scrape the bottom of the pond and see what, what junk comes out. And this is the way to do it, praying for others. I also asked one of the guys to write down three and five-year goals. In three years, what joys would you like to have? Whatever you have joy with, God will bring it towards you. So write down a bunch of things that you think will make you joyful. You know, we don't demand things. We just, the universe or God, he gives it to us as we joy in our imaginations and focus on a solution that will make us happy, that will give us joy. For instance, a house with a picket fence and a playful boxer, that would give you joy, except for the poop and all the boxing. 
<laughs> Amen. And another thing you can do, you can write a, a, a job. Um, you can write down the new equipment, new uh, broadcasting equipment. You can write down what will give me joy. Okay, and then in the five-year category, having having a job, helping others, having a commitment, that's got to be primary. You got to have three hours a week of community service. It might as well be the twelve-step program, folks. You you come in and you do the your tap dance for an hour, and you leave. You high-five your friends, give them recommendations, tell them you're doing the deal, they're doing the deal. Okay, getting back to our daily reflections, a two-way street for June 25th, it says, if we ask God, God will certainly forgive our derelictions. But in no case does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our, without our cooperation. 12 and 12, page 65. When I prayed, I used to... Omit a lot of things for which I needed to be forgiven. I thought if I didn't mention these things to God, he wouldn't ever know about them. I didn't know what if, that if I had just forgiven myself for some of my past deeds, God would forgive me also. Huh. I was always taught to prepare for the journey through my life. Never realizing until I came to AA, when I honestly became willing to be taught forgiveness and forgiving, that life itself is the journey. The journey of life is the very happy one, as long as I am willing to accept change and responsibility. The journey of life is a very happy one. Beautiful, beautiful words of life. It really hit me really hard when he said that if I would forgive myself of my past deeds, for instance, um, I lost the, the girl I really wanted, the job I wanted, the career. If I would forgive myself, God would forgive me. It looks like it hit me that we are holding, we are holding the judgment papers on ourselves if I don't forgive myself I'm holding judgment papers over my head but if I forgive myself the judge takes those papers for me and throws them in the middle of the ocean my slate is clean I have to do the forgiving I have to forgive myself that's why that's what happens automatically when I pray for those 45 days for all the people that have hurt me and the situations in the past that have been grave and I couldn't handle them. You know, like uh, losing your, your best uh, friend and your best girl at the same time. They took off on the horizon, things like that. I remember, I always remember something, huh? You say, oh no, here comes another story. I remember. When I was a young kid, I was 17 years old. I ran away from home at 16. And I opened up a, a checking account, you know, and I started putting my money in. And this was all new to me. And this uh, lady, she was, uh, what do you call it, fond? 
or she just smiled at my behavior, you know, as young as I was, I guess. And she said, why don't you save $500? 1971, folks, why don't you save $500? I'm 17. And I looked at her and I said, okay. I got two jobs. I used to work nights, hang chickens upside down. I drove around in a 51 Buick with an eight straight. I had cores and girlfriends and, and guys and all in the car riding around in the back in the country. <coughs> After I got my goal of $500, I started watching my money and bringing it to the bank. I got a second job. I started driving forklift on the second job, loading and no, no, actually, I didn't drive forklift. I was, uh, I was just loading and unloading the sweet potatoes in the machine. I got on a forklift once and I moved it forward and dropped the, uh, the pallet and then I moved it back. That little movement, which took about two minutes, later on in the future, when I was applying for a warehouse job, they said if I knew how to drive forklift, Well, I've been in a forklift, I moved it forward, I dropped the pallet in its place and moved the forklift back. So I qualified, I said, yes, I know how to drive forklift. And they kept me there for two years for uh, keeping up with me. The point I'm making is uh, when I was unloading it, I, I got a guy a job there at the, uh, at the warehouse and he was driving forklift And he was smoking grass and driving fast. and But everybody loved him because he was enthusiastic. He'd go to the bathroom and smoke grass. I had to open the window and let the, the smell out so they won't catch him and running over. He had to turn off the, uh, the machine. I would turn it off for him, the, the, the uh, propane on the forklift, things like that. Well, make a long story short, they fired me and kept him. <laughs> so I learned, God bless him. Today I work with his son, and his son is sober. All right, we're going to move, read uh, a story in, in the AA Grapevine from November 2019. I had this copy in its envelope since then. Wow, surprise, huh? Now we have a story that was written in by Bob R. from Shelburne, Vermont. VT, that Vermont. It says, what happened to Ted? It says, I hate to admit it, but the first time I saw Ted, I hope he would not come anywhere near me. It was my first AA meeting. He had been on an all-night drunk. It was his first AA meeting. He was, and his speech was slurred. He smelled like stale booze and a variety of other unpleasant things. And he looked like he might throw up. I remember saying a quick prayer as he entered the room. I said, God, please don't let him sit next to me. My prayer was unanswered. Answered, but not in the way I expected. Ted spotted the empty chair next to mine and unsteadily made his way toward it. 
I wanted to move to another part of the room, but was embarrassed by what I thought others would think if they, what others would think if I would think if they saw me change seats. So I stayed where I was. When Ted sat down, I remember thinking that while the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking, maybe that requirement should be changed to include and a shower and a mouthwash. Yes, I was really quite full of myself. At that point in the meeting when people began to share, Ted did not raise his hand to speak. Instead, through tears and loud snobs, he blurted out that his family was leaving him, that he was about to lose his job, and that he had come to the meeting because he had nowhere else to go. I can take no credit for what happened next because it was the last thing on earth I consciously wanted to do. All I can say is that I was taken over by a power greater than myself. I leaned towards Ted and put my arm around his shoulder. After the meeting, we exchanged phone numbers, and that's how our relationship began. What happened to Ted? Earlier this year, he celebrated 20 years 28 years of continuous sobriety. However, as, as they say in the TV commercials, wait, there's more. As Ted regained the trust and respect of his family, his employer, and his community, my life took a different turn along with his. I was not drinking, so I figured it. I had gone, gotten all there to get from AA. I was not drinking, so I figured I had gotten all that I needed from AA. I stopped going to meetings. You can easily predict what came next. It wasn't long before I was on a wicked, dry drunk. I made a series of decisions based on fear and resentment. I quickly reached, reached a place where I just wanted the world to go away. To everyone for everyone to leave me alone, and eventually everyone did, except Ted. When I lost my kids, Ted was there for me. When I lost my job, Ted was there for me. He never nagged, preached, or criticized. He was simply there, patiently waiting for me to hit my bottom. And when I did, Ted was the one who put his arm around my shoulder as I returned to AA. Today, I know I owe my life to a higher power, one that always answers my prayer, although not always in a way I expect. I am forever grateful that the answer to one of those prayers was meeting a man named Ted and many others like him in these wonderful rooms of AA. Bob R. from Shelburne, V2. Thank you, thank you very much, Bob, for saying that story. It's full of hope and tears and joy. I really got a big kick out of reading that story, folks. It's, that's what we do in AA, the power of God. Wait, there's more. I remember taking a, here we go, another, remember, episode 265, I remember there was a guy that lived, he was camping the, on the third palm tree by our AA fellowship. When I started the meetings, put some money down in the Alano Club, 
and told him I want the, the room for an hour a day, $20 a day for a meeting. I bought a, my month's worth. And then I went looking for people that will fill secretary positions. I was living 400 miles away. I was just visiting the in-laws with my wife. And, uh, and I thought the 9 a.m. would be a perfect spot for people to have meetings. You can't, you got an empty room there with all the slogans and the steps on the walls. And it's locked up in the morning. I thought, wow. And anyway, I invited some homeless people. They came in for pancakes and coffee and so forth. And they, you know, a couple of them would stink up the place. And I remember uh, this one guy was really trembling. You know, he used to be a businessman. And his friend and his friend took his business and all kinds of... I think he took his wife too. And he was, lit, he was uh, well, where, where are you at? He said, well, I'm at the third palm tree down the river right there to the left, right next to the railroad tracks. So I got him to start saying something like, all will be well. And he said that as he was saying it longer and longer, he would meditate and sit down by his, uh, by his palm tree and look at the water. And he said as he was saying it, the water became brilliant and it seemed to be lapping and talking to him as he was saying it. He had like a spiritual experience. And uh, his attitude got really good. And uh, we would go, I'd take him to Del Taco to get some burritos. And we would read the book, Prison of Praise. I would help him read it and he would read and I would help him read. And we'd go back and forth and talk. And, and then uh, I tried to get him to become a member of the Alnon uh, Alnon or Alano Club. The Alano Club. I think it was... Uh, $15 for the year or a quarter or something like that. So he can go in there and get discount coffee and get away from the cold, but he stunk. And I don't think they wanted him in there. When I took him to the meetings, he sat next, right next to me, and he stunk. But he was he had good attitude. He, he felt accepted. He smiled and stuff. And then I had to leave the area. And I said, keep going to the meetings. These are your friends. And sure enough, he got loaded. He didn't, he didn't, uh, as soon as I left. We make a difference, folks. We come in with a light. We choose to come in with a light. We choose to help others. We choose to stay positive and believe in the impossible because our higher power tells us that all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible. And with that, let's go ahead and, and pray out. I think it's been a good, wonderful session for us, for a lot of us who stuck around. I had to stick around. <laughs> okay, let's pray the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much. Keep coming back.
Thank you for coming on to today's Bible College. I forgot I was on Bible. I must have been on long spring break. Fernando, your reader, instructor, thank you so much. Let's go ahead and open up with a moment of silence followed by the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. June 24th, Don't don't Tell It Like It Is by Kenny Copeland. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18.21 Again, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Words, words are serious business, folks. And as believers, we need to get serious about learning how to use them. We need to begin to put them to work for us like God himself. The Bible tells us that he uses words to call those things which be not as though they were. Romans 4.17 Most of us don't have the faintest idea how to do that. We spend our lives telling it like it is. We constantly use our mouth to report on the sorry state of affairs around us. Thus, the very thought of calling things which be not as though they were seem a little crazy. You mean I'm supposed to say I'm healed when I am feeling sick? I'm supposed to say I'm prosperous when I am penniless? That sounds like lying to me. No, no, no. There's a vast difference between lying and speaking by faith. A lie is meant to deceive someone. It's designed to make someone believe something that's not true. But to speak by faith is simply to speak words that agree with the word of God instead of the circumstances around you. It's speaking from your spirit instead of from your mind. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.13, We have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed, and therefore have I spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak. Amplified Bible. Now that's important. Read the verse again. I have believed, and therefore have I spoken. There are some folks who speak the words, but they don't have the faith to back it up. And as a result, they fall flat on their spiritual faces. They didn't actually call things that be not as though they were. They called things that be not the way they wish they were. Those are two very different things. The words may be the same, but just wishing and hoping won't get the job done. You've got to believe. Begin today bringing both your tongue and your heart in line with the word. Stop telling it like it is and start speaking and believing the promises of God. Put the power of words to work for you. Put the power of words to work for you. In Proverbs 15, the Amplified Bible says, 
A soft answer turns away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Hey, check that out. Look at this. <clears throat> See wrath as your problem. Okay? The, the, the offender bender. A soft What's a soft answer? Woo, I got into a fender bender. What's, what's a grievous words? Well, that son of a gun car, you know, you start cursing the driver, everything out, then you stir up anger within yourself and you stir up anger within the problem. The problem has feelings too, guys. But a soft answer will turn away wrath. Yep, I did it. Best thing is going to happen to me. You know, what I usually say is I say what uh, uh, Stanley, Lauren Hardy used to tell, tell each other. Well, another fine mess you got me into, Stanley. And that's exactly what humor comes in. And humor is, is representative of God. That's what I believe, folks. It's working for me, so don't disturb the cart. All is well. Everything is going smooth. All the appliances are complying. We had a refrigerator that went out. I pulled it out, and I and I looked in the Internet, so I did all the things, and I, uh, I'm ready to uh, yank it outside and... Someone say, hey, why don't you clean it a little more and check this, check that. So I cleaned it, the refrigerator, the Amana refrigerator started working again, to my surprise. It went, it went out again. I pulled it out and I cleaned it. And then it started making noise. So, and then it started working again, working properly, working really good. I got really fond of the refrigerator. Meanwhile, the neighbor moved out and they couldn't take this fridge with them. Actually, they retired and they said, look, she didn't want it. She goes, that refrigerator is new. So and uh, so I, I did them a favor. I took the doors off it and pulled it out of their house and brought it over here. But my words were speaking all as well to the amount of refrigerator, and it kept working. It kept serving us. Appliances have feelings, folks. Cars have feelings. You know, let's have some fun, guys. If it isn't working for you, it's because. It isn't working for you. <laughs> Verse 2 of Proverbs 15 say, The tongue of the wise utters knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the self-confident fool pours, pours out folly. So the tongue of the fool utters stupidity wrongly or utters words wrongly, but the tongue of the wise utters knowledge rightly. But the mouth of the self-confident fool pours out folly. Now, folks, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch upon the evil and the good. Sounds to me like he's keeping an eye on our evil words and our good words. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch upon the evil and the good. And there's a lot of references to this. Job thirty-four twenty-one. Proverbs 5.21, Jeremiah 16.17, Jeremiah 32.19, and Hebrews 4.13. About the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Verse 4. A gentle tongue 
with his healing power is a tree of life. There you go again, folks. But willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. You know, I'm going to tell it like it is. So-and-so, this and that, government. A gentle tongue with his healing power. What's a gentle, gentle tongue with his healing power? All is well. I got a bill the other day. I said, Jesus, you have mail. Jesus, you got mail. I thank you, Jesus, for this bill. That's a gentle tongue, guys, with his healing power. And, you know, come to think about it, the bill was taken care of. The bill is a, a tree of life. You know, I have been buying the things that I like, uh, you know, quality olive oil, sardines, or, or salmons and stuff. We've been on a budget. And I, as soon as I said that, that it was uh, the bill was taken care of from left field. And I wondered, I said, wow, all I had to do was let go and let God and not insist on things like I used to. And things are working out, folks. Just amazing. Just a, All is well. A gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life. What's a tree of life? Folks, you get a tree that you can continually get fruit from. You know, you say it to you subconsciously or establish it in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. You put a rubber band on your wrist every time you, you mess up and don't say it. You, you bang yourself, bang your wrist, sting your wrist with a rubber band and say, I thank God I'm a misfit. I thank God I'm a misfit because I didn't praise the Lord before the problem, before I judged the problem. I jumped the gun. So what you want to do is put a good habit, make a new good habit on top of an old habit. The old cursing habit is your reminder of your commitment and a reminder for you to praise that you forgot to praise the Lord beforehand on the problem. You forgot to say, all is well, problem. My God covers me. My God takes care of me. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So having many problems and many rubber bands becomes a treasure throw. The King of Kings, the God Almighty, the creator of the earth is listening to you and goes to work to fix the situations around him. If he doesn't fix a situation, he'll give you a lot of love for it. A lot of love for it. And, you'll, you, and you understand that the situation is helping you to grow in faith, believing, and, and helping you to grow in other areas. Amen. Verse 5. A fool despises his father's instruction, instructions and corrections. A fool despises his father's instructions and corrections. Yeah, there's a lot of fools out there. I used to be one. A fool will say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. To thank God that I got into a fender bender. To thank God I got to go up front before the judge for setting these To thank God that I'm not supposed to worry about the situation, but I'd rather squirm and, and lie 
A fool despises his father's instructions and correction. You know what correction is? Correction is going through a humiliating situation and learning from it. You're being corrected, erected, set right in the right thing. So be thankful for the corrections. Be thankful for when people went off on you and cussed you up and down or ridicule you or challenge you on your ways because get better on that thing they challenge you. Get get precise on the thing they challenge you. Don't take it as an offense. Take it as a kick upstairs that you'll be a better person because of that. Use that rage and that hurt and that anger for bettering yourself. Who knows if that wasn't God's intention? I read earlier in an article that said irritation is that uh, is to get us out of our comfort zone. Irritation is to move us into a higher level of thing. That's why irritation comes to us when we we have the the remote in our hands and we're going from and we're there too long. The God's mercy is getting us. Someone is talking to us. Someone keeps bothering us. The irritation is you had enough of that. You need to get moving. You need to get up. That's what your Johnny Wooden would say. I, in other words, I irritate players to get them where they want to be, but they need coaching. They need to be helped. So we need coaching, folks. We need to be helped. He who regards reproof acquires prudence. So this is what we're going to acquire. If we regard the reproof, in other words, we get we get electrified to our truest sense. We get loaded up with electrons, reproof. We get rightly thinking. We will acquire prudence. Now, who doesn't want prudence? Okay, That's the objective of irritation, folks. No matter where it comes from, prudence is what God wants us to have. He wants us to have so much prudence and love that when more irritation comes to test us, it just falls right out of us. We are already on the skill mode. We are already in the godly skill. We are already we already paid the price. We're good. Verse 6, In the house the uncompromising righteous is great, priceless treasure. But with the income of the wicked is trouble and vexation. Amen. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, sifting it as shaft from the grain. Not so the minds and hearts of the self-confident and foolish. We don't, we don't have to worry about the self-confident and foolish listening to this. They're long gone. They, they're, they have been offended a long time ago. But kudos to you, wise and knowledgeable and kind person that you are. You're shifting with me the shaft from the grain. And we're and we are enjoying a cup full of wisdom, God's love. Verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, hateful and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. Wow. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, hateful and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. And it works for us, too. When someone said to Jesus, uh, you're good, and Jesus says, why call me good? 
because he saw how offensive that was because it was all flattery. Flattery is offensive, guys. It all, all love and credit should be to the Creator. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. So how do we make God delightful? Prayer. The prayer of the upright is his delight. When we're praying with gratitude and thanksgiving, oh, it reaches God's heart and makes him delightful. How are you doing today? Delightful. Let's go ahead and pray. Let's finish up our teaching now. It's going to be 17 minutes. That's the national standard of attention. It's probably gone down since the internet, introduction of the, of the internet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, for your great love. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you that you are our daddy. You instruct us and you teach us. And you, you said you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we thank you for the reproof, the corrections. We thank you for the love. Thank you for administering our medicine that we need, each one of us, Lord. Thank you for the counsel, Lord, the laughter, and that magnificent loving kindness that you give us on a daily basis. We rejoice and we say yes and amen to all your promises. Thank you for this day, Lord. It's a loving, wonderful daddy that you are. We love you. Amen. Have a nice day, family. Give them heaven. Enjoy this day. Catch you on the next clip.